This is Power to Become, the podcast. Welcome back. And today on the podcast, we have Tommy Alquist with us. So go ahead and introduce it's yourself. very, very nice to be here. Thanks for the invite um, over in sunny Rexburg for uh, <laughs> sunny. the Power to Become uh, conference uh, tonight. And it's nice to nice to meet you today and, yeah. and be here on your podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, Tommy's going to be speaking tonight at Power to Become. I mean, when people hear this episode, it will have happened months ago, so, yeah. <laughs> but still it'll be awesome. So we're excited. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So let's take a step back. Where did you start off when you first stepped on campus here? So I, uh, I grew up on, on a little farm in, uh, uh, Hunter, Utah and, uh, had a great, great upbringing, loved sports, um, very blue collar. Um, both sides of my family all worked at Kennecott copper mine. Okay, cool. And uh, we're all very, very hardworking labor. No one went to college kind of folks, but very, very good people. And uh, so I always wanted to play college basketball. Back in the day, for those listening here that are students, Rick's College was the program. I mean, if you couldn't go to a D1 school, everyone wanted to go to Rick's. In fact, it was a launching ground for a lot of people that would come to junior Mm. college and then go on to a four-year school for athletics. And the facilities here were like second to none. So of all the other junior colleges out there, this was the place to come. So out of out of high school, uh, definitely wanted to come here and play basketball. And so came here um, in 86 and played the 86-87 season. Okay, nice. I was, yeah, I was telling you on the way over here, we had a little duplex that the team lived in, the yeah. basketball team, <laughs> six on one, six on the other. And it's really interesting. Uh, some of the best friends of my entire life I met here. Yeah. Uh, at Rick's when I was playing basketball. In fact, we just saw Leon Anderson, who still works here at the university, and, and Trent Shippen, who works here at the university. They were teammates of mine. And I've stayed very, very close with several teammates. Uh, and we had I just had a great time here at Rick's. Um, it was, a, it was a, you know, f- away from school, fun, a mm-hmm. great place to be. The team was great. Uh, traveled long distances on a bus, and it was just really, really fun. Yeah. Where was the farthest place you went? Oh, shoot. On the bus, St. George and all over into Wyoming, all the way up into Montana, uh, up to I- North Idaho, uh, okay, up to cool. Coeur d'Alene. So long bus trips, uh, but very, very fun. Uh, lots of great stories and, and, and wonderful memories of, of playing basketball here. That's really awesome. And did you, after Rick's College, did you, what, did you go to any other schools? Yeah. So then I went on a mission I, I, uh, to Brazil. Okay, cool. And then when I was coming home, I was debating whether to come back here or whether it was time. I, I really wanted to go to medical school. Okay. And uh, going back there, it was really hard to get into medical school. I didn't have any connections. Uh, I knew I needed to really hit it hard. I didn't have any money. I was mm-hmm. poor. Yeah. And I thought the only place if I can get into the University of Utah, it was so much less expensive than anywhere else. So I thought I'm going to go to school at the University of Utah and just really try to get into medical school. So that's what I did after my mission. Um, I worked a lot of jobs. I mean, uh, I don't know. I've helped a lot of kids over the years try to get into medical school too. Um, and so you kind of have to have this pathway where you have research and you have relationships and you, mm-hmm. you're checking all those boxes on your application. So when it gets turned in that they, they want to interview you. And I kind of did all that. I didn't have any connections, but I started, I became a phlebotomist at Primary Children's Hospital and I started doing research for the Primary Children's Intensive Care Unit team and and really just dove right in after my mission, Uh, got married and then then went to medical school, got into medical school at the University of Utah, which is, if you looked at the financial difference of school there versus anywhere else, it was, the difference was like $35,000 a year. And this was back then. So it was a huge difference per year. And then I went to the University of Arizona 
for residency and, and became an emergency medicine doctor. That's really cool. Um, I want to take a step back. I know I've heard the term phlebotomist, but I'm a marketing major. So you know what's super funny about that? So I got home from my mission, and I just I'm very goal I'm very goal oriented. So on yeah. my mission, I wrote all these goals out of what I needed to do, and I did enough research, and I talked to enough people about okay, what do you need to do? And they said you've got to go get a job in healthcare, you got to do research, and you got to volunteer. So when I came home, I thought okay, I'm going to go do those three things now. So I drove up to Primary Children's Hospital and looked on the board of what jobs, because this, mm-hmm. you guys don't realize what it was like back then, but there was no internet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there were no phones. So you actually drove somewhere. And so you drove to yeah. the hospital and you looked on a big war, uh, wall and then they had all on paper. You remember what paper was? Um, kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Almost. Almost. I mean, it's coming back to you. It's me. coming back to you. So <laughs> they would print off all the jobs and I did not know what a phlebotomist was. Oh, really? <laughs> I had no idea. But I just knew I knew, knew I needed a job, and, and, and it, it paid. I saw what it paid, and it said the most important thing on the bottom of the page, it said no experience required. Well, all the other jobs on the wall said experience required. I had never heard the word before. <laughs> I, had never, I had no idea. So I just submitted my application as a phlebotomist. So it's a long story, but I get to the first <laughs> interview, right? Uh-huh. And I, I'll never forget the lady I sat down with, but like I get halfway through, and I'm like, hey, can you tell me what oh, what I'll be doing? And I didn't say what a phlebotomist was. I'm smart enough socially to think I can't ask her that. Yeah. <laughs> but I can say, what will I be doing? And she said, well, here's what you'll be doing. It's a lot of shift work. It's going to be overnight. You're going to be spending time in the, in the newborn ICU. And she kept going and going. But I'm thinking, okay, I get all that. But what am I actually going to be doing? <laughs> and then it wasn't until like halfway through the interview, I'm like, it had something to do with blood. So it's drawing blood. Uh-huh. So oh, okay, okay. the phlebotomist is the person that goes around every single morning and draws blood. Well, it was at the children's hospital. And so I, I got this job. She, she hired me. And I just couldn't even really? believe it. She called me. I'm like, great. So I, I, that was one of my first jobs. And then I also went and volunteered and started doing research too at the same time. But uh, it's funny you bring that up, but there's just a lot of times in life where, and, and you know, this will come up in my talk tonight for anyone listening, but part of, part of success is where do you want to go, okay? Mm-hmm. The pathways to get there are probably a little, a little different, but, but the determination to get there is, is gotta be what you have. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure where, what your ultimate goal is, but I knew I needed to get in and I knew what I needed to, to have on my application, but I had no idea how to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go back to the audacity of me pulling up to primary children's hospital and walking in and it was the old primary children's hospital. If you've been in Salt Lake and looking on a board and just applying and then going and faking it and saying, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> I don't even know what it was. Right. But you have to do those things in your life. I look at some of the other businesses that I've started there's a couple of, of stories on those where I, 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 I look back at the success of the bill, business. It was one meeting. It was one road trip. It was mm. one relationship where I just put myself out there that if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have been successful. So who knows how much phlebotomy had to do with me getting in, but it was my first job. And a long story to an easy question, which is what does phlebotomy mean? That's it. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I think that's so cool, though. You have these goals. As long as you have your goal and you know where you want to, you can start to make steps to get there. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And you got to believe it. True. Yeah, so true. It. I, I'm around a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that want to be successful. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that say the right things. There's a Mm. lot of people that even write down the right things. Like when you were in your interview. But I'll tell you, do you believe it? Mm. Do you, do you breathe it? Do you sleep it? Do you eat it? Do you, is that the thing that motivates you every single day of, I am going to get there. And if you have that, 
nothing will get in your way. Uh, you will, you will, and the other thing I'll tell you is most people when they set goals or when they have, especially goals that are out there a little ways, um, there is no one pathway there. So a lot of things that they might see as roadblocks or things that you might see in your life is, oh, that, I can't do that. That's, it, 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 that's not true. It's just you got to find another way around because there's so many different pathways to get where, you, where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so I guess early on in my life and probably throughout my life and now even with my businesses, we teach that. Um, you're going to fail, fail early and fail forward, right? You know, don't consider those failures. Consider them, hey, you just been blocked there, but go around it. Figure out the next way you're going to get there. And and that attitude uh, is something, when I hire someone, I probably, so I became an ER doctor. Okay. I've seen over 40,000 patients in an emergency room. So if you think about that, you walk into an ER and I say, hey, what can I do to help you tonight? You become very quick at judging um whether the person is sick or not, you become very good at reading a person and finding out why they're truly there. Because a lot of times why they say that there's not what they tell yeah, you they're yeah. there. And, and you get pretty good at just kind of getting to the point, right? How can yeah. I help you? Um, what are your needs and how do, I, how do I fix you? So I think when I interview people that work for me now, pretty quickly I can tell, do they have what it takes? Yeah. Do, do they have a motor? Do they believe? Do they really want this? Do they know how hard it's going to be to work for me? Are they ready, right? At our business, we call it having kerosene in your veins, right? Do they have that? Are they Ooh. are they ready to go? Yeah. Uh, and if they don't, it's not for them. Um, and if they do, they're going to have a great experience because I believe people love to be led. I love people. I believe people um, that that get in situations where culture is important, where everyone's rooting for each other, and mm-hmm. and everyone believes in the goal. Boy, you can get a lot done. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, we have a team like that right now in our office at the alumni office. Yeah. Um, and I just have to like, maybe I should give a shout out to them now. I couldn't help. I needed all of their help to produce this podcast. So it's really, I agree with you so much. Yeah. Um, feels good, right? Yeah, it, it does. feels good to be part of something where there's a big vision, right? And I, I, I don't know where we're going to take this, but to me, the formula for success is really straightforward. It's not easy, but it's straightforward. It, you know, a good friend of mine said it's easy, but it's not, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Which is, what's the vision? Where, where are we headed? And then is there clarity around that vision? And a lot of businesses or ideas or companies fail because there's not clarity of communicating, okay, does everyone really believe where we're headed? Mm-hmm. Then you have a plan, right? What is the plan? That plan should have built into it contingencies because it's not going to go perfect, right? It's probably going to be harder than you think it's going to be. It's going to take more money, more time, more whatever. And then the last part of that is, is execution, right? Work, hard, hard work. But if you follow that vision, clarity, plan, execution, uh, you can get a lot done in your life. Um, whether that's in your personal life, I'll tell you, it's the same, that same pattern, whether that's your family that you're trying to raise or whether that's something you're doing in, in service in the community or whether that's a business, it's the same thing. Same pattern. Yeah. That pattern is clarity, vision, vision, clarity, plan, and then execution or work. Perfect. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Um, so how long were you an ER doctor? So I practiced for 18 years um, as an ER doctor. But during that time, I went into emergency medicine because I knew I could start other businesses. Mm-hmm. So I've started multiple, multiple businesses. I started a tech company in 2001 called okay. StatPads. Um, we actually just sold that last year. Oh, nice. Um, uh, started lots of other different businesses, but I really, I got into commercial real estate, which may sound strange. Why did you do commercial real estate? But 
right next to the hospital, there was a 25-acre piece of ground that I would drive. I would did all night shifts because if I did night shifts, it gave me all my time during the day to do other things, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'd do night shifts. I'd wake up and then I'd go do my other businesses. But every morning when I left in my scrubs, I would drive through the subdivision. I thought, man, someone ought to take this land. It was an old beat-down subdivision and change it into a commercial property. You'd be able to do very well. And so I naively probably, but I just thought, I'm going to go buy all those houses. I'm going to buy all of them. <laughs> and I'm going to go figure out how you develop this corner. Well, I had never developed anything in my life, so I uh-huh. did. I went door to door in my scrubs and I bought up all 25 acres. Really? And I went into the city. Uh, it's fun fun now because the mayor then has become a very good friend. And she she remembers my first meeting where I show up and she's like, what are you doing here? You're a doctor? And you what are you doing? And I'm like... Well, I'm going to develop that corner of Franklin and Eagle Road. And she's like, and this is in which city? In uh, Meridian. I okay. Know. So okay. right in Boise. And she's like, well, you, you can't just do that. <laughs> Why not? And so I did that. And that was my first project. It was, it's, it's been an awesome project. And from there, I, I fell in love with commercial development because you, you see something that needs to be done where you can have opportunity and ground up, uh, build build value, and then you go do it. You assemble a team around it, and you go accomplish it. And then when you're done, what I really like about it is there's something to look at, right? So there's a project mm-hmm. or a building, or and it's a lot like emergency medicine. People say, well, what's the connection? But you think about you think about what you do in an ER, right? Um, I might be the doctor, but let me tell you what: my nurse, my my assistants, my radiology tech, my lab tech, everyone on that team is no more important than the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone on that team matters a lot and they all need to be treated with respect and they all need to know what the goal is. A patient rolls through the door and it's a trauma patient. You don't know what they've got. They've been in a bad car accident. They've been shot. They've fallen off a house. They, whatever it is. But when they roll through that door, that team descends on that patient with the same goal. What can we do to help and save them? And how are we going to save them? And everyone's working together. Well, at the end of a successful visit, you've taken someone that was in need and you've fixed them, right? You've, you've been able to help them. And sometimes that's emotional, sometimes that's physical, but, but at the end of the, the shift, if you will, you can look back and say, hey, I actually was able to help some people. And so I think uh, commercial developments like that, we're able to say, look at that corner and say, hey, that was just a corner of old rundown houses and now it's you know this big development. So I really think the two go together. They both involve teams, they both involve you know, vision, plan, action, what are we doing? And uh, it's, been a, it's been a nice mix for me. That's so awesome. Like really you are creating something with that, with that development you started with. I, I can, I can relate to that a little bit. I taught piano lessons for right. a year, a couple of years ago, stopped because I need to get better grades, <laughs> but even like helping that person learn piano songs. And I was like, I'm creating something, even yeah. though I'm only like directing them and they're making the music. But at the end of it, you have a product that you were responsible yeah. for, right? And, and it kind of felt nice to just step back and not take any of the, any of like the, the fame or any of the spotlight and let them take it and be yeah. like, I feel good about myself because I helped someone. Uh, well, what you just said is really important though, right? And that's a, I mean, I, I always try to learn from people, but that's, isn't that true in life? But how many people, that's that stepping back and looking around at what the team accomplished, right? Yeah. Not what I did, but what yeah, the team accomplished. Exactly. And, and what a powerful lesson you just taught of, hey, it wasn't, it was you teaching, but it was that individual accomplishing and then you stepping back and saying, you know, giving the credit where, where, where it should be due. And that's great. Yeah. 
I, I, uh, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to have very good partnerships. And right now, uh, so I ran for governor. Mm-hmm. That's a whole yes. other story. <laughs> I have a celebrity with me. <laughs> well, I, I didn't win. I took third. I remind people I took third. I really did take third. So I didn't take first or second, but there was a guy named Harley Brown who is a biker, like a Harley Davidson rider, mm, yeah. who runs every time, and I beat him. Oh, nice. And then there's <laughs> then there's the there's the guy that took fourth who's now being investigated for a cold case murder. Oh my god. And gosh. then there's the, the gal that, that that took sixth. She is in jail actually. It's kinda sad. So I did beat those three. Oh. I just <laughs> <laughs> Well it's a good thing you did, because if they beat you That's exactly right. So you gotta look at the So anyway, I ran for governor, but coming off of that uh, run for governor, uh, I had met a really good friend who I'd done business with before, uh who's Courtney Lydiard, who runs Ball Ventures over here in Idaho Falls. Okay. And he represents Mr. Allen Ball and Connie Ball. Mm-hmm. And I have just been, it's been the greatest partnership for me. Um, I, coming off that election, we formed uh, BVA, Ball Ventures Alquist, and we're doing commercial real estate. And the team we've brought together, again, I don't, I look at the the team I have over in, I, in Boise and the team that he has here, we are accomplishing a whole lot together. We're doing a lot of great things. We've branched out. We, we've bought a, bought a healthcare company. I'm determined to change healthcare in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I think it's too expensive. I think it's not transparent. And I, so we have now 400 employees that work for us at Salter Health. So it's a company wow. that, that is going to deliver outpatient medicine in a way that's different. We're integrating technology and really disrupting how you, a lot of people don't know what it costs, right? So we, we have a theory, I do, that if, if people knew what it costs and they knew the quality and they had technology where they could schedule their appointment and then pay their bill right there and know what their deductible is and know exactly what it's going to cost, I think we can really bring down the cost of health care. So we're opening up surgery centers and imaging centers and eight urgent cares this year. Wow, um, that's so awesome. And, 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 and branding this. In fact, I'm really excited. On Sunday night, we launch our media campaign, both on the radio and TV and billboards and social media of Salter Health, and i um, really excited about that. I'm not even sure what you asked me, but that went along. Well, you were talking about your um, Allen Ball, right? Oh, yeah, Allen Ball. Yeah. yeah. So uh, fantastic family, and, and I'm just really honored to be their partner. That's really awesome. Yeah. Well, that's so cool. Um, what was, like, the greatest thing that drove you? Because you, cause you've talked about that plan for success and that goal. Yeah. From the time you were at Rick's College up till now, what's been the biggest motivator? And it, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. I believe that most people, most people, I think everyone has built within them from God a desire to give back, to be part of something big, to to help other people. I think I think we're born with that. And I think for some of us that might get stifled over the years through experiences, bad experiences, or just not feeling like they can fully fulfill the measure of their life. But I, I believe early on I was built with kind of a motor to go do those things, to try to make a difference in the world, to try to give back, to try to, you know, just try to become. I mean, it's it's not cliche. I mean, today's today's conference is the power to become. I think we've all have built within us from God a, 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 the, the, that light and that desire, that drive to become. So I don't, I think that came from God. I think I was surrounded by some really influential people early who told me that, hey, you don't set limits. You can do anything you want. You work hard, right? I was I was surrounded by people that knew how to work, right? That mm-hmm. really knew how to work. 
And that's um, your family. My family. I had a, my dad, when I was growing up, I, I always tell this story because I think about, you know, everyone says I work hard, but I look at my dad. My dad, my dad was a, an electrician at the copper mine. Mm-hmm. He framed houses on the side. Uh, and then he worked when he was, when he had any spare moment to earn money for our family, he pumped gas at a gas station. Wow. For as long as I can remember. And so that was his example. I look at my grand, my grandparents, same thing, hard, hard, hard working people. So I didn't ever think work was something that, that, that I didn't ever think that it was hard. I just thought, well, that's what you do. You work hard. I think that their teachings of me to me about, about my future and what I could do. And, and, and the reason for doing that is to try to create, to try to get back. I went into medicine because I wanted to be a doctor to help people. I think in development, you can say, well, what does development have to do with it? I think you're creating things. We're creating jobs. If I look at, yeah, so true. Look, at look at what we do for our economy, we create things. We give a lot of service. I mean, I've served in the church a lot. I was a stake president. Um, and I will tell you that most of your prayers in your entire life will be answered when you serve someone else. Um, mm-hmm. I always Very like true. to say that, that you should wear out your knees praying to God, but you should wear out the soles of your feet serving others. And the answers to those prayers will always come when you serve others. And and so I know for me in my life, it has been through service, either to my family or to other people that prayers are answered. And in the community, the other thing I, would, I always uh, like telling people is most of my really, really good friends in the community aren't LDS. Reverend Bill that runs the Boise Rescue Mission over there takes care of 650 homeless people a night. You know, wow. he, he's, he, he is one of my dearest friends. He's not LDS. Most of my friends in the community aren't LDS. And most of the people I serve with on boards are not LDS. So... So we, we have got to be careful in the church and, and, you know, there's amazing, wonderful opportunities for us to serve within the church, but sometimes we become so busy that we can't share outside and serve. So I, I, I always, we encourage people that work at my companies to, to serve on other boards, to give back in other ways and be connected in a real way to the community because a lot of the blessings and a lot of the, the answers to blessings will come in service to the community. Um, a lot will happen within the church, within the people you serve, but a lot will happen out. So again, another long answer, but I think the desire comes from God in all of us, but then it's up to us to foster that and nurture that and build that and have vision and, and drive and give back. And then I think it's contagious. Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, I mean, if, you, if you're part of something that's bigger than you, if you know what it feels like to work and accomplish and give back and you feel the rewards of doing that, you want more of that right? And that's the abundant life, right? Yeah. We all want to live the abundant life. I mean, there's a great, one of my great, greatest talks of all times, what is the abundant life? What is the life that we're supposed to live? And it's a life of happiness. It's a life of joy. It's a life of giving back, knowing that it's going to be hard. You're going to have, you're going to have huge setbacks. I mean, I look at anything that you do in life that's worth it is going to be hard and difficult. And it's not going to be like you thought it was going to be. And you're going to have, you can have these big side swipes that come and nail you, right? You know, people are going to get divorced, you know, illness is going to come, people are going to die. You're going to have all of these things that are not part of your plan. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it too. It, um, my son right now is going to vet, vet school in uh, LSU. Oh, nice. Uh, and my daughter-in-law is at law school. It's hard right now. Oh, I'm sure. And they'll call me all the time and they say, Dad, man, it's hard. We're poor and it's, <laughs> I don't have, you know, it's hard. And I got all these tests and I, and I just giggle on the other line. I'm like, hey, it's supposed to be hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth it. And you're doing the right thing. So it's, oh, yeah. so true. it's always important to remember, especially for kids as they go through this journey, that it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be enjoyable. But enjoy the journey while you're at it too. I mean, 
I don't know if you've surrounded yourself with people that are just downers, that are negative, that are, hey, I'll be happy when I get here. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it happens a lot, happens especially a lot. for college students. Oh, yeah. Once I get past here, I'm going to find You'll happiness. be happy. Once and I it's get always to there, like 10% ahead of you. They will find that that never happens. Yeah. You have to just live in the moment. You live in live the moment. Now. And, and, and it's living a life of gratitude. I would tell you that if that's the way you see life is that, hey, at some point I'm going to be happy. The problem is, is you don't appreciate what you have today. Mm-hmm. And I think if we live each day with gratitude that you can't help but be happy, right? Yeah. You can't help it. But if you live your life in a, in a selfish way and in an inward way, I've got another good friend of mine that I love his analogy. He says, every once in a while I get going in my life and and I start living arrows in instead of arrows out. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, well, if I'm arrows out, I'm always looking about me and saying, man, what a beautiful world I live in. What a, I love my country. I love, I love this university. I love the people I'm with. I'm so blessed and I'm arrows out and I'm looking for ways to serve other people. I'm happy. If I'm arrows in, I'm thinking about myself. What don't I have? What went wrong today? What... It's just, and really quickly, those people, you know, you can build yourself either way. One way you're going to self-fulfill your happiness and the other way you're going to self-fulfill your your sadness. Um, And so live arrows out, a big deal. I love that. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's been great talking to you and join us next time. Thank you so much.